0: Kia ora koutou katoa, this is Looking Up with Jess and today we are talking all things periods. Last year for one of my courses at university I had to write a paper on an organisation that was trying to combat a social issue. I wanted to write on something I was passionate about and that's how I came across Dignity New Zealand. Dignity New Zealand is a women's wellbeing initiative set up to provide free sanitary products for women. How it works is corporate companies such as ANZ by a monthly subscription of sanitary products for their workplace so their employees have free access to the products. Then, Dignity New Zealand gives the equivalent number of boxes purchased to schools, youth organisations and women's support services in New Zealand. Currently, they support 112 schools and over 25,000 women, which is amazing. Today, we will be talking about period poverty, which is the inability for women to access sanitary products with the key barrier being financial pressure. Period poverty is a massive social issue that often gets swept under the table and the work Big Media New Zealand is doing to change that is incredible. I am excited to introduce you all to one of the founders of this awesome initiative. This is Miranda Hitchings on Looking Up with Jess. Hi Miranda, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, so I've already introduced Dignity New Zealand a bit in my introduction, um, but maybe you could tell me a bit about yourself and how you and um, your co-founder Jacinta came together and formed Dignity New Zealand, and what Dignity New
1: Zealand is to you. Yeah, totally. So, um, well, so I, yeah, so I'm Miranda, um, and I am currently a community investment specialist at New Zealand Post, and then also the co-founder of Dignity New Zealand. Um, So it's a, it's a fun, I've got, I've got a lot on my plate, but it's fun. Um, and basically we started Dignity about three and a half years, three and a half years ago. Um, I think it was this summer or just before the summer of, was it 20, was it 2017? I think, um, I think, um, and basically Jacinta and I were flatting together. So I'd moved into her flat, um, in the middle of that year and we were both finishing our undergrad and we just finished and we didn't actually have anything to do for the summer and we saw that Victoria University which was, we were both at uni, had a Victoria Entrepreneurial Bootcamp, Camp which basically helped young people who were at uni or just finished uni start up a business and it offered a small stipend to help contribute to Live Off and gave good legal um, legal advice, accounting advice, business advice on yeah. oh, basically everything, and kind of gave us a, a roadmap to start a business. Um, and at the same time that we joined that boot camp, we basically um, were seeing in the news this issue of period poverty. And so what started off as just a news report that I think Kristen Hall um, was doing um, was something that we started to look into further. And we saw, um, we started talking to schools and hearing about what this issue was because up until that point, I hadn't even heard of it. Um, It was not not really on anyone's radar. And so we, yeah, and so we um, kind of through collecting that information and trying to trialing and testing different ideas, we decided we wanted to try and do something to solve this issue. And on the other side of that, around the same time, there was also... um, Increasing importance um, being seen on uh, employees' health and well-being, and in that kind of more holistic sense. And so we, as well as diversity um, yeah. and diversity inclusion for for gender. And so we decided that we, after trialing a few different things, we decided that this buy one give one model, where we sold century items to businesses, and um, with a buy one give one model to students who didn't have access as well. And um, so. Making sure that people were recognised for, um, uh, people in the workplace were seeing that, their, that periods were acknowledged and that their employees understood and had empathy for it, and then also contributing to the social issue too. Yeah, so that's how it started, and then basically we got, you know, got one customer and then that gave us the confidence to keep on going to where we are today.
0: Yeah, that's like really, that's a really cool story of how you came together and how those opportunities that we see around, as a student myself, you see those opportunities around university and you're like, is it worth it? And obviously for you guys, it was like, it's turned into such an incredible thing that so many people were using, um, which is awesome. But as you said before, period poverty wasn't on your radar um no into this and i think for many people period poverty doesn't seem like something that would be relevant in new zealand but obviously it is and like i was wondering if you could explain a little bit about more about why period poverty is relevant in new zealand
1: yeah so i mean i basically was in the same boat as you and in, in that it wasn't something that i thought of ever like i never like i didn't even consider it as something that was happening but like even when i was at uni um like me in my flat you know we would you know we would prioritize um getting period products when we had our period instead of buying food so like it it was something that's you know that is actually everywhere but it just didn't have a name for it or didn't recognize that that's actually systemically wrong that we're put in positions where we have to be able to uh, buy products to manage our periods at the cost of uh, you know, at the cost of financially... Yeah, supporting you know, making yeah, Yeah, yeah. And it was something like, um, oh, I can't remember the exact amount, but we spend something like $15,000 on period products over our lifetime, which is huge. Like, that's yeah. just a considerable um, portion of a house deposit. So it's really putting... Um, it's something that does happen. Like, the financial implications of having a period are real. And over the long term, they do have um, a big difference for people who have periods versus those who don't. Um, but particularly for people who are in um socioecon- in in lower socioeconomic positions, it, it is it exacerbates that issue further because every bit of um, financial inequity um, makes things worse. So um, but it's something that's so relevant um, and happening here in New Zealand. So Youth 19 um, just did really some research this year on period poverty, and they found that um, 12% of New Zealand Year 9 to 13 students who menstruated had difficulty getting menstrual items because of um, because of cost. So because of the financial burden. Um, and for 5%, this happened once a month or more. And for um, eight percent of um, people who menstruated students who menstruated they missed out on school because they couldn't have access to it so it's it's definitely there um as poverty is in New Zealand and it's really intertwined and you know part of that big big bundle of things but the issue with it is that because it disproportionately affects women uh, because it's something that affects women and uh, you know non-binary people who have periods too it's um it's another way that uh, gender is disproportionately affected and creating that inequity between men and women. So it, it's something that's important to get right from that perspective too in terms of trying to balance out those inequities. Um, and, oh, I had something else to say, but my mind's gone a bit, it's gone a bit
0: blank. Okay. Yeah, I think um, one thing when a lot of people think about poverty is they think about, you know, the images of children being malnourished, and um, people living on the streets, and I think because we have this um, meaning behind the word poverty that, like, just appears in everyone's mind, this image, when you link it to something like period poverty, people are like, ah, oh, you know, that couldn't be me. Like, mm. yeah, I prioritize my um, sanitary products over food, but that doesn't mean I'm in period poverty, like, no way. So I think that's yeah. really interesting how people relate that and how a lot of people who would be in the position of prioritising food um, over sanitary products or other things would, like, not recognise it as period poverty.
1: Mm, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. It's one that, because it hasn't been recognised for such a long time, it, it has such complex and... Um, Got, you know it's got complex ways it interacts with, with people's lives and things like yeah. that and i think that's also important to acknowledge is that even though we've primarily been focusing on supporting students um it affects so many different groups of people um and just because we're, we have started with students because it has the um the best long-term social impact outcome. because if you um because students it has a direct correlation to students being able to stay in school and yeah
0: um
1: therefore you know it's better for education and better for employment later on in life so that's why we've gone down that route but so many other groups experience period poverty and deserve to have access to products as well
0: yeah yeah so obviously one of the big um stigmas i guess around period poverty is that no one talks about it and no one talks about periods why do you think there is such taboo i guess around periods and period
1: period poverty so i think I think it's a really good question, because um, it's something that is I think really embedded in a society, and I think it comes back to kind of western um, views that periods are unclean and yeah. that they are something to be embarrassed about, and that's not the case at all, and that comes from you know <laughs> it comes from cultural anthropologists of you know from the 1800s look you know white guys coming and saying what was right and wrong and um, and um, dictating that women are you, you know less than men and therefore this thing is something to be ashamed about and I think it's such a shame because not all cultures have that or had that opinion like Maori for Maori culture it wasn't seen as something that was shameful um men and women didn't have this disparity that um you know that has been a bit embedded from you know past past kind of views and things like that and so i think that kind of wound up into it being something that you know you you know 100 years later that we just hadn't talked about for you know, forever because because we were expected to to hide it and not talk about it and be ashamed of it. And so I think that's how this issue came to be something that no one didn't even, didn't even recognise it existed, and it perpetuated the problem. And um, I think that's difficult for people who are in positions to um, make policies, is because um, like I think something that I've recognised since working in the space about periods is how little um, people who don't have periods know about it. Yeah. Like, there's these really sweet guys who've been really supportive of what we've been doing, and it's been so lovely, but some of the comments that they've said to us, um, it's kind of made me realize that, like, they don't don't know some basic things. Like, I remember when we first were coming up with the concept, and this really nice guy came up to us, and he's like, oh, that's really cool, um, and said, oh, by the way, did you know that my, Friend said in the bathroom at their workplace they have a special bin for um, period products in the bathroom, and it made me suddenly realize that, like, he didn't realize that that's like everywhere, and that you know, there's just this such silence and just this unknown around periods, and so it's exacerbated this whole muddle of issues.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like with anything, I guess, you know, old habits die hard, those things that. are systematically wrong, you know, There's so many different social issues, and all of them have been passed down and just continued and continued until someone's been like, hey, hold on.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There? Yeah, it was just suddenly, I think, there's some really cool journalists who were like, this is actually something we should talk about. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, this is something that hasn't been acknowledged at all, and we didn't even know it was an issue, until.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, because a lot of, um a lot of those other social issues, are worse off in like places like third world countries and it would be the same with period poverty as well but it's also prominent like you said in places like New Zealand and the States and Australia and those like you know first world countries as well it still happens and Mm. um, people still aren't talking about it well they're starting to now but they weren't yeah
1: yeah no it's like it's interesting like when we first started doing this like I remember being so aware that I was saying period and you know, having to go into meetings with these corporate people who yeah, I had to, you know, I had to talk about periods, but now I just say periods all day long. So I just don't care yeah. anymore. And I kind of forget that it's got this weird stigma and association with it, but it's definitely people get used to it. And so, and I think um, like you have to be accepting that some people are at different stages of being able to talk about it. Like I've definitely gone to meetings and like the word period hasn't even come up once. Yeah. Um, from businesses who just are not comfortable, but they're trying to take the right steps to get there. So it's just being supportive of that.
0: Exactly. And like, we're not there yet, but hopefully one day we will get to a place where everyone knows about what periods are and that there are bins in every toilet. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. All those sorts of, you know, easy facts and that, um, you know, I think you guys along with numerous other people and companies are making those steps towards trying to make, um, period products less expensive and um even like lately with the warehouse doing the like dollar packs like yeah. so many yeah it's definitely moving forward
1: yeah i mean i think in the last since we've started doing this like it's just dramatically changed like there wasn't i don't was there anything was there any other there was like there was nothing really around yeah. at the time when we started, and then and in that time there was so many awesome innovative startups tackling this issue, and so much journalism on it, which has been yeah. um, really good, like really quality journalism. And then there's also been the um, political kind of movement and support behind it, um, like uh Jacinta started a petition to try and get the government to support period products in schools, um, with some other period groups and oh, some got um got some really good support. I think it was around four thousand or something. I need a check. Yeah. Um and then the government said that they were going to provide that in schools. So that's like an awesome step forward from like saying yeah. nothing about it, not even knowing it's an issue to the government trying to find a solution. Yeah. Now yeah. The issue is is we don't know what's gonna happen because of COVID and if they're still going to be able to prioritize that. Um so so this, you know, it's a Constantly. up and down. Yeah, it's an up and down challenge. So we don't know what's going to happen, but it's great. It's just still it's huge well, it's, on it's, radar, on the, it's, it's on the radar.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. Um. So on your website and in the conversation we've just been having, we've talked a lot about how financial pressures can be a barrier to buying period products, but also social and cultural factors can contribute. Could you elaborate more on what those cultural or social factors might be for some people?
1: Yeah. So what so what's been really fascinating for us is that we um collect research and collect feedback from all the groups that we support and also all the um businesses that we donate to to see what people think of it and how and kind of getting discovery information on how periods affects people's lives and things like that and one of the things and we know that the primary driver for not having access is um lack of finances so that is significant you know that does play a big part um but we also uh, res- we also had interesting feedback talking about how the role of culture plays a significant part in periods. And so, um, you know, how we touched on how periods can often be um, intertwined with feelings of shame and things like that. That is exacerbated more so, uh, sorry, in some countries that's, and, you know, where we sit, you know, there are places where periods we we're we'll talked about more openly but there are also places where it's even worse and even more condensed and so we've found that particularly for um some people who've mo- some young students who have moved over here um and they're as first generation um immigrants their families haven't talked to them about periods or it's something that isn't there that just hasn't been discussed and so they don't get product at home because there is so much shame in having those discussions and embarrassment in having those discussions. And there's so much complexity in kind of where that drives from. But so even it's difficult because even that, um, that side of it, that shame stops people from having access. Um, And the other thing that stops people from having access, which isn't um, uh, cultural or social is also um, remote Um, people who are in remote places who don't have the ability to have a, corner stored 10 minutes away and so getting your period when you don't expect it can be really um difficult yeah. but yeah but that's how that cultural aspect plays into it
0: yeah no that's really interesting and also yeah like you see different cultures are different like you see earlier the Maori culture with women they're not being you know shamed for it um in that culture but now you know as we're becoming more of a European society it's definitely you know bring it back up of you know the issue of period poverty I think it's really interesting how the different cultures and the different social factors, even like where you live, um, can affect it. So yeah. Um, have you seen a difference or heard about differences that your initiative has made? So obviously since starting in New Zealand, you've done all this research, you've put these products out to businesses and students. How has it worked out for you guys? Yeah.
1: So we, um, So, yeah, so as I said, we do all this research. We get lots of feedback on the initiative because it's really important to us that we're not just a tick-boxing exercise. Um, That we're not just doing it because it seems like it's a good idea and, you know, and it gets a lot of support for it, but also that it actually has meaningful and measurable impact that we can record and improve on. Um, So we do have... So we've got results on... uh, this is our term four impact report last year, so the school term four. Um, so 72% of the schools that we support mentioned that a core outcome of having free period products meant that their students are able to stay in school during their period. Um, 81% felt dignity reduced feelings of shame. 87% um, felt it improved their students' self-esteem. 69% um, said it let them uh, partake in sports when they previously wouldn't have been able to. And it also reduced um, the reliance on teachers and nurses to um, pay for products themselves. That was also something that we were noticing was happening is that um, school staff were paying out of pocket to support students when they saw they needed it. So that also dropped significantly, which is awesome. Yeah,
0: um, I think definitely, like I mentioned in my introduction, and I think in my email to you guys last year at university, I did a paper and I don't even remember like what the actual assignment question was. Yeah. But I remember that I researched you guys and I remember definitely seeing the different statistics that were out there and how much you guys had um, helped And like the ones you just read out with just for one term last year. So it's incredible. It must feel like incredible for you guys as well to see that something that you've thought up on you know, um, with a flatmate for a Victoria University entrepreneurial thing, like, has evolved into this.
1: Yeah, no, it's really cool, like, I didn't, I didn't think it would turn into this, like, I literally started it because I didn't have anything to do over summer, and, and it just, it just kind of happened, and it's just, it's such a, Weird position to be put in to be managing an organisation like this, but it's just so cool. Like when we get it's the best part, getting back the statistics like that and seeing that it's making a difference. I remember the first time we saw it because we just made it up and we were like, yeah. "Oh, we hope it works," and um, and and so you know, testing it and trialing it, and then when it was like, "Yeah, it does work," it's like, "Well, this is actually affordable and easy and." You know affordable and easy to kind of coordinate and has really big social outcomes so like it's just such a cool intervention and they're really you know from a personal perspective it's really nice to work on something really meaningful um yeah. And it's also it's good um yeah so it's it's really cool it's just sad it's an issue to begin with um that you know, that's with everything, isn't
0: it? Yeah, exactly. Like, like you said, it's sad that it's even an issue that we have to consider. But people like you and Jacinta, and all those other period probably um, startup groups that have happened since are making change. Like, even just getting the government to recognise the issue is so incredible. Um, so obviously you've been doing Dignity New Zealand now for about three and a half years. Do you and Jacinta, or like your team, do you guys have goals for where you'd like to see it go?
1: Yeah, we do. Um, it. I mean, uh, previously our goal was, we were just so excited for the government to be able to, to be putting money into it, into, sorry, the government's program to support schools. So yeah. we weren't going to be part of that. And so our focus was to move on from students um, to wider community groups, which is something that we're dabbling in already. Like we've got a partnership with family planning and things like that. We just donated um, to the city mission to help them with their COVID response. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to try and move our efforts towards community groups so we could help those other demographics that were also experiencing period poverty. Um, but now that I'm uncertain if the government is going to be able to yeah. to support it, um, will, it's really important for us to be able to maintain um, our support to them um, and also to the growing... If, because there's a recession, they expect that there'll be growing levels of poverty. Um, and we really want to be able to, because we've made so much progress collectively, um, you know, ourselves and then also with the other um, organisations that have been working in the space, like Kids Can and things like that. If we can, you know, <laughs> we've made so much progress, I just don't want to lose it. So I want yeah. to keep on filling that filling that growing gap um, to make sure it's not, that it doesn't get out of hand. Um, yeah. But I mean long term I just want things to be in all businesses and stay no one I just don't want, you know for everyone to have access to period products really easily, you know, end of the day, that'd be great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's obviously very, you know, very um intense and hopefully will happen goal. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think definitely, you know, COVID has impacted a lot of things and the things that we don't see as well, like those different um projects and all that sort of like legislation, all that stuff that the government was going to be working on, but now had to stop to focus on the COVID response, which obviously mm. is incredibly important. But, mm. you know, it is we are missing those things and that is a disappointment for many people, including mm. you guys, for the reason of um finally getting that government recognition of period poverty being an issue. Um mm. but yeah. So Do you have like anything else before I move on to our last question, anything else you want to say about dignity or about period poverty or anything like that?
1: Um, no, I think, (laughs) no, I think that probably covers it pretty well. Yeah. 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 Yeah, No, I
0: definitely think it's such a, um, I remember, you know, just stumbling across your organization and being like, just looking through the website and being like, well, this is actually like such a cool initiative. And, um, You know, obviously you're not the only organisation anymore and there are so many um, places doing it and participating in this response to period poverty, which is super important. Um, So my final question is a question I've been asking all my guests, and that is, if you could add a right onto the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which was enforced globally, what would it be?
1: I think in line um, with what I've been saying, it'd be awesome if everyone had it. Access to yeah, you know, to free, to free and uh, to free period products. Yeah. Um, I think that would just, but it's a simple thing, and it's such a small, and you know, I mean, it's not such a small thing, but it ha- would have really long term social benefits. Really, the the cost and the um and the effort to do that would the value that you get from it would be so significant. So. I think that should be universally enforced because I think long term it has such a good, yeah. it's achievable, and long term it would have such cool outcomes. Um, I just thought the other thing I wanted to touch on, and it was kind yeah. of the um, environmental um, component of um, of period products because I think that's also something that's important to, to consider. And and I,
0: issue, yeah,
1: yeah, and I think we're. I think I think number one, it's important that people have the right to get the products that are right for them. Mm -hmm. So not everyone can use a menstrual cup um, and feel comfortable with it and things like that. But um, I do think that it's important to try and use single use or compostable products where you can. And I know that there's some issues with um, compostable products, but the ones we use with, um, uh, organic initiative uh, um, they decompose even in landfill which is great they don't have to go to a um, commercial composter um, and so even yeah I think that's also really important because um, yeah, you don't want to create one issue by um, you know solve solve an issue but create another I think it's important to consider the environmental impacts but there are solutions out there for periods so I think yeah. it's achievable
0: it's interesting because that is definitely something that's been coming up more and more about um, menstrual cups. I feel like in the last year have just like taken off and everyone's mm. been like, oh my God, use this, use this, use this. Like it's so much better for the environment. Like you're saving, I don't know. It was like the diagrams of how many tampons equal one menstrual mm. cup. Like I mean, it's incredible work, but obviously not everyone's going to be comfortable with it. Not everyone's going to be able to use that. And, um, and yeah, so I think it's definitely important that we keep, using um other products that aren't just the cups but also making sure that they are suitable for environment um because you know we are also on like this whole climate change journey and everything and yeah another way but yeah it's a really awesome point to bring up and on your universal declaration of human rights I figured that's where we were going to go with this one (laughs) and (laughs) I agree I definitely think that it's really important and if it was enforced globally like yeah it would help us so much here in New Zealand but then you think more third world countries like imagine how like amazing that would be if it was enforced completely globally like all these people finally having access who may never have had access before um so yeah I I like- cool. and well thank you so much for being on the podcast today um I think it's definitely an important topic and I hope that anyone who is listening to this um can take something away from this conversation and maybe go check out dignity New Zealand and what they're doing and um yeah thank you Miranda for joining us
1: thank you for having me um I think we're doing for COVID we're doing a buy um sorry a give to thing for individuals to do at the moment to give period products to um to our community partners so Mm -hmm. I think it's on the website yeah check out the website (laughs) yeah
0: i think (laughs) yeah no. awesome that's awesome that you guys have you know seen a new issue pop up and responded to it you know as well which is awesome so thank you so much for being here and bringing all this awesome um information
1: (laughs) no thank you for having me it's really cool
0: This episode was so enlightening to record and I hope that Miranda helped to bring some clarity to you guys around period poverty and why it is an issue in New Zealand. Dignity New Zealand is doing an amazing job at trying to combat period poverty, especially for students and I highly recommend going and checking them out on social media. As you guys know, I like to set a little task for you all at the end of every episode. This week's task is to try and calculate how much you think you spend on period products over a year and start to see why this is such an important issue and what you could do to help change it. Thank you again, Miranda, for using this space to talk so passionately about period poverty and Dignity New Zealand. Once again, don't forget to let me know on Instagram if there is anything you want to see on this podcast. This was Looking Up with Jess.